Hi, howdy. Hello. Hey, hey. hello. Sorry. <laughs> you're good. Say hi, pal. Um, this is Posy, the other person you're hearing, Posy F baby, and the F stands for phenomenal. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Um, pause. You were actually the first guest that I had on the podcast whenever I started, and it's been uh, a long journey just like watching you grow, watching your organizing style grow, and also just watching all of the um, like the different the different people that you touch essentially grow as well and like you just have like a very like infectious um uh quality about you um so it's just been very like humbling and uh it's just been an honor to like watch you go like along that process so just like giving you like some props for your growth like even in the short time that I've known you because you've been doing amazing things long before we even met um, but yeah. Hi, howdy pause. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. That was really sweet. Of course, but um, and so to break the sweet things, we're gonna get started with a bake take. So the bake take is is the S or the C silent in scent. Mm, the C. Like scent, like it smell, like a smell. Yeah, mm, yeah. I'm gonna have to say the C, uh, for folks who aren't close to me, the folks who are know that I'm a terrible texter and bad at spelling and just don't really care to write the whole words. Which one thing I will say is voice to text too. It's because I don't lift my finger. I do like the drag text. Yeah. Anyway. With all that to say, I probably would write S-E-N-T, like, oh, that's a really great scent. I recommend that pure perfume. <laughs> and people would understand what I would have said. But, uh, you know, scent, yeah, I'm going to say the C silent, the C silent. But, like, also a scent is change, you know, like C-E-N-T. I know. But then also, like, scent, like, I sent a letter, Sure. I feel like, yeah, the S does come more natural. It took me a second to think of like C-N-T, C-E-N-T as far as like change. But yes, I feel like the S does come naturally <laughs> or more natural. <laughs> and I do think like about as far as your texting, Sal, you are, you, you try. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I think it's a really funny joke that even though I do lip readers, especially because I'm like so bad it's because I'm like doing a lot of other things usually like when I'm texting people so like I'm not giving it my full attention but I love to be like when I do like a terrible text I'm like I'm sorry I can't even really read like I think it's just kind of a funny joke no I think it's kind of like a fun like jigsaw puzzle because I'm just like okay how do I piece this together like what did they say like it's a fun challenge for me so I do appreciate like your text messages that like all people might not be able to understand at first glance, but I do like to break it down. Like it's a fun little jigsaw puzzle. Keep you on your toes, you know? <laughs> gotta do it. Gotta keep us sharp, brother. Um, <laughs> um, but moving from the little bake take segment. Um, so as I said, you've been organizing for a million years, um, but I know 2022 specifically was just a big year as far as uh, centering, uh, centering like intentions and goals and things along that route. Uh, so what are some goals that you had set and accomplished around like your activism and organizing for 2022? Um, so last year, a big thing that I wanted to do and something that I have kind of just like experienced here in organizing in DC specifically is that there are, there are some really awesome elders here, uh, but they're mentoring a lot of people at once. So you don't really get like a one-on-one -on -one mentorship with folks. So my big focus for last year was like building my education and skills and like 
network within that. And when I mean network, I don't mean it in the normal corporate capitalistic sense of things. I mean, as in like building deep relationships with other organizers to be able to ask questions, to get um, people's knowledge or, you know, advice um, from folks. And yeah, that was a big goal of mine. So I did a lot of different trainings where I went around the country um, and did um, mostly, I would say, like direct action trainings um, learning about like safety, security, um, the roots of Black Direct Action, um, who are the folks who came before us, who are the folks who came before us in D.C., specifically Black, Brown, queer folks, um, disabled folks, deepening my knowledge of what, who do we center when we're talking about the most marginalized Um and yeah, just really taking the time to learn. I think that although I have been like doing movement work for a while, like, you know, I came out with Mike Brown um, back in 2015 is when I first started coming out into the streets. I still feel like I very much am a young organizer. And I also think you know, I'm like one of the first people, like, I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert. I'm not going to say that, like, even with the years of, like, organizing and in organizing, I mean, literally being in, like, organizations and organizing folks in those ways. Like, I won't, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert. So I really took a step back and just, like, learned and, like, saw, like, who, do, who did I naturally gravitate to? Who did I feel like was, like, creating spaces that I wanted to be a part of um, and people who I think could lead folks in a way that I found um, to be really motivating and like changing and, and like deeply rooted in the work, not an ego or anything like that. Um, so that was my goal for last year. I think that's still a goal for me, like for the rest of my life, for sure. Um, I think last year I focused more on those hard skills where I think this year um, I'm still working on those hard skills. I'm about to go out to a training um, next month in Arizona that I'm really excited for. Um, but I'm also this year really kind of focusing on like relationship building and community. and like, what does that mean? Um, so yeah. So Thank you for like expanding on what networking can look like, because I think networking is really uh, in the sense that you're using it like a form of mutual aid. Right. Um, and being able to say like, hey, like I need advice for X, Y, Z. Uh, we can pull up at your event or we can spread uh, more knowledge about the work that y'all are doing or we can contribute da, 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 whatever it might be. Um, and like that networking is really like a form of mutual aid and being able to like expand and uplift um, other folks that have like similar experiences or maybe might not have similar experiences, but are still similarly oppressed. Um, so, yeah, I, I really I really like that you are like really focusing on like that networking and skill building because um, it's really these things that we're going to need in the revolution, um, these things, these skills are gonna be, sorry, I'm like noticing it's getting so dark. I gotta turn my light on. Um, yeah. Very good. Okay. Y'all can't see me, but Posse can see me and I wanna make sure they see me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, post-revolution, you know, those skills are gonna be necessary because we don't want these fucking of course, like we don't want anybody in charge, but we especially don't want these politicians in charge. But once we do have you as an elder, hopefully you'll be able to share some of this knowledge, you know, um, and other folks that are also like doing the work to uh, do some of the skill building, skill sharing, et cetera, um, in the fight for liberation. So shout out to y'all. Um, yeah, I definitely, sorry, to like add to that, I think, yeah, I, I like I think that networking I think I've you're right it's in a way it's like much more deeper than like what can I 
what can I take from you to climb the ladder versus like, I think in the movement, we have this opportunity to build like really deep revolutionary relationships that like, it is a form of mutual aid in a way that it's like, I learned from you and you can teach me to be better to like help continue this fight. Um, but also like deeply connecting with people. I think in the corporate world, a lot of times it's like, oh, I have this person as my mentor, but I don't really talk to them about like real life things where it's like, I talk to like the people that I like look up to or that I consider mentors about like real things. And it's not like, oh, years later we start talking about real life it's like no you're going through some things I've done through I've gone through some similar things here's what I've done or just like take your time don't answer me until you're ready like I don't you know and if that time never comes that's fine too but yeah sorry just meditating on that a little no you're good and I think it's important also that you're kind of like incorporating some of these like anti-fucking imperialist anti-white supremacist kind of like ideals and norms um where it's like in the professional field, like in the US, like you might have your mentor, but it might take you all years to really develop that relationship where you're like, yo, like I've got some real shit going on. Um, but I think that it's like so, uh, so sacred and important that you have been able to establish those relationships with mentors and be able to say like, okay, like right off the bat, let's get to some real shit. Cause like you can understand like what I'm going through um, and be able to uh just give like advice and mentorship on that um and I hate to use like the word mentorship because I hate to use a word like the def the word in the definition you know what I mean um but that's also tied to white supremacy so <laughs> we gotta True. be for real about that until we have better words <laughs> Well, English doesn't give us too much, um, except for, I feel like one of the best phrases that we came up with in the English language is smoking on that blank kush, um, because we were able to fill it with Lizzie. Smoking on that Lizzie kush um, is what I was most hoping for in 2022, was one of my big <laughs> goals. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get my hands on the stream, but that's one of my goals for 2023 um I see it happening we're we're manifesting thank you no I know that's right happy black women's history future um <laughs> but <laughs> but um with that like I know you said you definitely want to work on like this networking and community building in 2023 but like let's say 10 20 years down the road like what are some of your like big I don't know not even like goals but like visions um for organizing and activism and movement work mm. Whew, that's like a big question um less white-led perhaps well do you mean like in my work or what do I want to see in like the movement for black liberation as a whole? Um, I guess a little bit of this, a little bit of that. <laughs> um, like, I guess my first question definitely pertains to black liberation, but then I also like just took into consideration. I'm like, okay, well, this is like the field that, you know, they're working in. This is the field that they're doing. Um, but I guess primarily as it pertains to black liberation um i hope that there is more accessible knowledge to radical information for black folks um and i hope that it's more than just a copy of like malcolm x's biography which i love that book i think it's really great it's got some really good just like better understanding of him, his teachings, where he came from, how his ideology was shaped. But like, you know, what about like black disability politics? Like, I, I hope that that's like, like, you know, something that folks just mention and quote um, kind of more regularly and isn't niche. And I say that with like air quotations, because I don't right. think it actually is. I think it applies to everyone. Um, I hope that we see folks 
I keep coming back to this like string of words, uh, um, educate, agitate, and organize. And I've just like, it's really resonated with me recently because I think that like education is at the core of like our radicalness because you have to unlearn what society does. I also think like agitating is like, like what are effective ways that we can push against the state and see the change that we want to see um, in hopes to like dismantle the state um, in 10, 20, 30 years. Um, if not pieces of it and organize, like I'm really hoping, I think one thing that I've, I've, it's been interesting to see from my perspective, which I'm mostly like background doing like logistics, planning together or like making like connections for collaborations and things like that. Um, it's been interesting to see the the people who are pushed to the front as like spokespeople in a way. Yeah, I think some by like self-election. I think some people are just very talented at it. Um, and I'm interested to see, and I hope to see that these folks who have, you know, the beautiful skill of like moving a crowd, um, continue to do so in a way that is like deeply educated on these air quotation niche, you know, black radical topics. Um, but, and I think I'm seeing this change now with a lot of folks, like now that we're in 2023 with the uprising in 2020, like this has become less about ego, less about I'm doing the right thing. Look at me post on social media where I'm at and what I'm doing versus being like, I gotta get my niggas free. Like left and right, we are seeing like the government just beat on people, like beat on us from the abortion bans to abortion bills becoming like criminalized to uh, our trans siblings, non-binary folks, queer uh, comrades are being like attacked with like legislation that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so like now we're seeing like child labor laws, like becoming a thing, like it's, it's crazy, but I'm, I'm really happy. And I hope to continue to see that, like the folks that I kind of came up with in DC aftermath of the uprising of George Floyd, um, continue to grow and do these things because they have the knowledge and they know that we need to get each other free in order to be able to like live literally to like have our life. Um, not just Black Lives Matter, because valuing is literally the fucking bottom base. I truly liberate our folks. Um, and I'm happy to see it become less and less about posting. <laughs> and like more about action and more about like doing the things that we're preaching, I think is like a really big thing for me that like I'm I'm hoping that we see, right? Excuse me, is like a lot of us are doing like the, oh, you know, we keep us safe and uh, shout and protect Black women and all that, yada, yada, yada. But th if there's a Black woman getting cussed out on the bus nine times out of 10, they gonna let it happen, you know? Um, I was on the, I was walking out uh, Chinatown a few weeks ago, dude walked up on this Black woman, he had something in his hand, dude walked up on this Black woman, grabs her by her coat, yelling at her. It's a group of people around them and they all just watching. And I'm like, oh, but we shout and protect black women. <laughs> like, um, you know, so I think what, what I'm really hoping for like the next five to 10 years is that we put like a lot of the things that we're saying, like we're, we're gonna manifest them, you know? Like we're saying these things and we're gonna manifest them. <laughs> um, and one day it's gonna like really like stick with folks, like the the things that we like keep chanting and making hashtags and we're really gonna manifest those things. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm excited uh to see kind of where things go, that's for sure. I'm still hopeful, even though it's like quite gray. 
I think that's all we've got these days, right? Um, all we can have is hope. Because uh, it's like every time we open fucking Twitter, CNN, I don't know what people's news sources, Instagram, TikTok, probably. Um, but whatever people's news sources, like we're opening this up every day and it's just fucking tragedy after tragedy or instance after instance of the government saying, hey, yo, fuck you, fuck all the poor people, fuck all the uh, non-binary people, fuck all the LGBTQ people, black people, fuck y'all. Um, and then if you want to protect the environment and protect the lungs of Atlanta down in the Wilani forest, like you about to get slapped with domestic terrorism charges, girl, fuck you. Um, so it's been like a lot of just seeing that like day after day. And then did you see, sorry, just because uh, I just got on Atlanta. Did you see about uh, the um, new follow-up or whatever regarding Tortuguita and how they were found? Or Yeah, their hands were up. Yeah, yeah. they could tell from the autopsy. Um, yeah. Sitting cross-legged. Wild um but yeah so day after day we're being bombarded with stories like this and we're just like expected to go on <laughs> okay so I'm gonna talk to my therapist about this um but what I would like to talk to you about is what role do you see liberators really having in the fight for liberation um this is me personally speaking, not for the whole group, even though I think I share a lot of ideals with the whole group. Um, I see Liberators, which is like a black and radical mutual aid library here in DC. We pass out free black and radical reads to hey. black folks, uh, black, brown, queer, disabled, folks who are marginalized um, in society. I see us as a way to kill the gatekeeper of radical knowledge. And I say that a lot um, just because I think that a lot of folks don't have access to radical information until later in life, either A, until they're in academic spaces, so college, and now we're seeing the attack on black education. So that could not be, that there could be a future where that's not accessible. Or two, and I think this is the most common thing, is that we we go through these experiences and they sit weirdly in our soul and our spirit and we don't have the language to describe a microaggression. We don't have a language or we don't have language to explain why systems of oppression have constantly kept our families impoverished. Um, so I think that in killing this gatekeeper of radical knowledge, we are able to provide folks with the tools or, you know, um, have resources that people can like learn from to be able to like explain what they're going through. And I think that like being able to identify what you're experiencing is the first step to learning how to organize and to rebel. Um, so I see liberators feeling or hope I we do and I hope to continue to um kill the gatekeeper of radical knowledge and I want to make sure that that's also in the idea that it's not like just reading hard theory like don't get me wrong like I, I I enjoy reading theory but I also know that shit is dense that shit is dry so I think like also providing other ways in which like people can learn whether that's through documentaries um whether that's through podcasts or YouTube videos, I think you can also learn a lot about your experience through like looking at art, listening to music, like even just like sitting around, we do theory nights, you know, and like just sit and like talk about what we're going through and kind of like collectively come together. Um, so that's kind of where I see liberators within our ecosystem. One of my favorite events that Liberators did was uh, the viewing for What Happened, Miss Simone. Um, and we focused heavily on that event. Um, so What Happened, Miss Simone follows the life and career of Nina Simone. And uh, we focused heavily on that 
or heavily during that event about like the role of uh, mental illness on somebody's like performance and what's expected of them. Uh, and basically like how that further impacts people's mental illness and also how that shows up in movement spaces and organizing um, and how, especially with uh, Nina Simone, who was bipolar when she would have like their, her manic episodes, it would be, oh, okay, like she's very productive. She's doing a lot, da, 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 da. Uh, but when she would have her more like depressive episodes where she might throw fits, she wasn't really given like the care or like the concern that she was given when she was productive. Um, and so being able to kind of like break that down in something that you don't have to read in a book, uh, I feel like was very relatable. And then we did it like outside of the park. It was a beautiful event. Um, but that was definitely like one of, uh, my favorite events that we did that was more accessible than saying like, okay, y'all gotta come through knowing everything or knowing something about this. Like you didn't even have to know who Nina Simone was in order to attend that event. Um, because the, the documentary just told the story so well. So just having like that accessibility to folks to be able to like talk about these uh like real concerns talking about mental illness and talk and that also had like some more dense topics that we don't have to discuss here but like there were so many uh things that we were able to discuss where people didn't even have to come in having a knowledge of Nina Simone or any of the work that she had done um so I really do appreciate like liberators ability to make events accessible and make it so that like you don't necessarily have to like pick up a book um in order to access this knowledge um but i know we've talked a lot about um like disability justice and uh just like a lot of topics that you would more so find in nonfiction, but I know you generally read fiction um, as your go-to and settle on a lot of like uh, Afrofuturism. And that's kind of like, I feel like a genre that really embodies you like as a person. I feel like your vibes just get very Afro Afrofuturistic. Um, so with that, like it's so validating for me um, like reading Afrofuturism because like you'll see on the cover, boom, there's like a, an image of a black femme in outer space or just like somewhere wild. And it's like, okay, this is a book that I can pick up and read because you don't ever see black people on the cover of books. Um, so Afrofuturism, I feel like is uh, um, some a place where like we're able to see each other or see ourselves really in ways that we might ne not necessarily be able to see them in like a more uh, traditional Western uh, literature field. Um, so I guess like, what are some of the themes that are explored in Afrofuturism that are often overlooked in mainstream literature? Um, well, I would say like, one thing so I I do read a lot of fiction but I probably like split up my like readings between like fiction theory and poetry um and I think all of those can fall under Afrofuturism um and then the thing that I love the most about Afrofuturism is one it's such a huge genre like again coming back to that idea of like you don't have to just read a book. Like Afrofuturism is like Missy Elliott's music videos. Afrofuturism is Sun Ra talking about being abducted and living on another planet. Uh, Afrofuturism is fashion. Um, I just, I just love how expansive it is. And I think that's like one of the biggest things about Afrofuturism is that like, it is expansive. It's thinking about like black folks in these other worlds. And I think that coincides with abolition so deeply because in abolition, and when I talk about abolition, I mean abolition of police, prisons, uh, oppression as a whole is about like being creative and creating these worlds in which people don't have to work 80 hours a week to be able to like eat 
and keep a roof over their head. Um, so that's what I really appreciate about um, Afrofuturism. I actually have um, Parliament's mothership tattooed on my arms. Um, and Parliament is this like funkadelic band. They're thought as like the grandfathers or the grandparents of Afrofuturism um that would tour and make like these crazy like super funky jazz influence like jam songs performances and they would be dressed like eclectically they literally would wear like tinfoil looking hats or like these crazy headdresses and like these bright colors and we would talk about again being like abducted from mars and da -da -da -da. um and also did this in the midst of like Jim Crow, like the South, where Black people are being told that they can't drink from the water fountains, that they can't do this, they can't do that, the third. And these people are just coming and making this crazy music, talking about coming from Mars. And I think one theme that you see a lot in Afrofuturism is talking about the story of African people being stolen and sold into slavery and being the idea of being abducted by aliens and then now putting like being put into earth which i think is just like it's a way to like think about to think about the like the, the black human experience and i don't want to say in like a subjective way but i think an interesting thing about sci-fi, which is a huge element of Afrofuturism, is telling a story and commenting on everyday life through a different lens, you know? Um, and that's something that I super love about Afrofuturism as, as well, like the world building, like being able to tell this like narrative story and the experience of Black people through this different lens. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, actually being abducted by a mothership ship and being like stolen from your homeland like you can see where a lot of those things um share similarities um another thing that i think is interesting about afrofuturism is if you look into like octavia butler and her different writings it's a lot of like the end of the world and like, I think that's a really interesting narrative to get into, like, especially with us in this day and age of like, we're seeing like systems become more and more oppressive. You see the 1% become more and more rich. We're down to like eggs are motherfucking $8. Um, banks Not are getting real. bailed out. <laughs> like banks are getting bailed out. Silicon Valley is getting bailed out, but like, you know, folks can't even get like, food stamps because they're cutting back um that assistance and then you have octavia butler talking about like yeah in the end of the world we all live in a compound with all these walls up and we live in community with each other to make sure we're safe because everything out there is fucking hell um and it sounds like it's extreme but when you really sit and kind of like think about like uh the parable of the sower even right um you sit there and you like think about it you're like oh wow yeah no this is like actually kind of what we're going through you know um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so I don't know I love it for like that I think also like I, I always recommend Afrofuturism to folks who maybe don't want to read hard theory because again it gets dry it gets fucking boring except I do recommend Black Disability Politics by Sammy or Dr. Sammy Schalk because the way that she writes is like very conversational it's she really is like breaking academia or what we think is like academic or like theoretical writing and really just like makes it conversational regardless of the fact if you don't feel like you can do like hard dry theory where you have to look up every other word aka me i have to look up every other word then it's like afrofuturism is super great because again it's like commentary on society but telling you through a different lens it takes you a little bit out and then you, your gears start to really turn i think you become like a lot more like 
not critical, but a lot more of like cognitive thinking about it versus just an entertaining story. But there's also just entertaining stories too, if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's also nice to kind of like intertwine some of that theory into the story too, was like something that I really appreciate about at least like, uh, you know, novels uh, uh, with Afrofuturistic themes, right? Um, or notes. Yeah, we'll call it that. Um, but yeah, I, that's something that I do appreciate is that like, you are able to see like these themes of, oh shit, like it's the end of the world. And even in, um, I'm thinking about Dawn, the Dawn trilogy by Octavia Butler. And like, it follows a black woman who experiences life, like as a black woman at, at the end of the world, when the aliens are there to abduct her, you know, and like the aliens don't treat her like a black woman, but the humans do um so <laughs> it's like I I think we were able to like see those elements there and it's something just like so contrary to what we see even in like the handmaid's tale which like sure uh we see that unfolding right now but you see the character played by I can't even remember their name but the person who played Pusey on Orange is the New Black um you see their character and not to say like this is a, a good or bad thing but their character isn't treated based on their race like their character is treated like a handmaid they're not a black handmaid they're a handmaid and I think we have to understand that had this been written by a black woman you know or like a black person that also would have been taken into consideration um and to be able to like see it through that lens is something where they would have said, okay, like this character is not just a handmaid. They are also black. And the, the racism that carried on from this society is going to carry into how this character is treated. Um, well, and I mean, you talk about a handmaid's tale, like, yeah, everybody loves handmaid's tale, but really that's the story of like, oh now white women are being treated how black and brown women have been treated let's be for real yeah so it's like oh yeah you want to erase race in that because you're like you don't even realize that this has been going on for decades centuries for black and brown women but because they yeah. talk about even like during uh the what's it call it the women's voting rights movement, uh, white women, of course, were at the forefront of that. But at the time, like black women were fighting against forced sterilization, you know, so it's like you 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 got to like be more uh, more aware like of your audience or at least like the people that you're writing about and like the effects that uh, their skin color and their their gender and all of these things that feed into intersectionality okay um all of these things that are gonna affect how people treat them um so that's one thing that i do appreciate about afrofuturism is that uh the novels at least like do take into account these things that you're like okay well this is how this interaction would probably really go um, you know, and like, this is, uh, this seems to me like a very authentic interaction as opposed to something where it's like, this doesn't like, I'm, I'm like, sure, like, I might be reading a sci fi novel or whatever, but this doesn't even seem real, you know. Um, but yeah, that's something that I do appreciate about at least like the novels. And then as far as like the broadness of it, like the umbrella, you mentioned, uh, Missy Elliott, the iconic misdemeanor, and um, you know, even able to incorporate Afrofuturism like into her music videos. Um, and I also think, I don't know, would you consider Outcast to be Afrofuturistic? Yeah, definitely. They have AT aliens and like, I mean, the whole um, dynamicness that is. Uh, Andre 3000 and like that's not to shade um big oh boy gosh. big boy I was only thinking Dr. Dre and I was like don't say that out loud um I mean just like seeing how they evolved as well like their music videos and like listening to like how they talk about their crafts is extremely Afrofuturistic and I think like what's also cool about Afrofuturism is like a big thing of like the black experience in the United States is the fact that we were separated from our identities when um, we were stolen from Africa. Right. 
And I think one really cool part, at least for like, I mean, some of the things that I read at least, because I'm really into like uh, pre and post-colonial um, African novels. Um, so you can like, Things Fall Apart is probably like the one that everyone's really gonna know, but there's um, a lot of other really, really great books that I recommend. Um, but anyway, Afrofuturism brings us back to that history. Um, one of which I recently read was a thick old book as if you have the time, it's like thick as hell as like a trilogy too. So it's like three thick ass books. Um, it's called red wolf, black leopard, and it's by, um, James Marlin, I think is his name. Let me double check that. Um, and essentially he wrote this book being like, why are there no black people in the Lord of the Rings? And all these motherfuckers come out the woodworks being like, oh, well, it's it's in the Middle Ages and it's in Europe and there were no black people. And it's like, Lord of the Rings ain't motherfucking real. Shut the fuck up. Like, My why are the black and brown people... Um, the savages and he was it's marlon james not james marlon marlon was just like now fuck you i'm gonna make my own story that's specifically black and brown people and this like fantasy uh southern kingdom and it's deeply deeply saturated with like african lore which i think is like so beautiful in a way to kind of reconnect because it's like you know we know the stories of like the turtle and the rabbit and all that kind of bullshit. But do we know, like, you know, the stories that are like the lore from Africa, like, you know, um, so I think it's another really great way to kind of connect back with those identities while also knowing that like, you know, I'm never going to know exactly where my family came from. Like I'm fortunate enough to be a uh, grief in a Honduran that like I can trace it back to a certain point, but I don't know, just a really great way to reconnect with that as well. It's like reconnecting with like the past, the present, and the future all in one. There's this great TikTok connect or TikTok creator, and I'm sad I don't remember their uh their name, but they tell Haitian folklore um in a really great way. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't, but I've recently been like kind of like dabbling in a little bit of Haitian folk, uh, folklore, but keep going. If I find them, I'll send you their, their, uh, video or whatever, but, um, no, I don't have anything more. I can't remember their stories, but they tell, they're, they're just a great storyteller. Um, there was like a story about how this, guy who they called like elon as in elon musk had like gone to visit this woman and uh he's like oh you know i'm hungry and she's like oh i'll feed you and he's like oh well i'll pay you with like some beans or something and basically she traded the beans for a bunch of different things and got rich off of it and then he sued her and she was like hold up that's wild um, and basically the story ended with her being kind to somebody else, giving them a free plate of food. And they were like, give me some beans. And she was like, you really think you won't be able to save me with some beans? And they was like, dog, give me the beans. So she has to go to court. They're about to like close the books on her ass. They're about to be like, uh, guilty. Uh, but then the person with the beans comes and they're like, look, I told my friend to plant those beans. Now I need some of this money too, right? And the judge was like, hold on, two and two not add into four. So the woman won. Um, that's not like a great retelling of the story. She tells it a million times better. Uh, but yeah, just search Haitian folklore on TikTok if you want to find that. But I'll send you the video when I find it, Posse. Um, But are there any like, themes in Afrofuturism that you wish authors or artists tapped on more? Um, I don't know. I feel like Afrofuturism really gives me life. It's something that I've been like following from college and it just like constantly pops up, whether it's like conscious or unconscious. And every time I find it, it's like, 
that like drink of water that you take at like two or three in the morning when you randomly wake <laughs> up and are like parched, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I would say that there's more. I think that I just need to continue to like look through the vastness that it is Afrofuturism. Um, I think like some really great people that I look to is um, Akweke Mezi. I'm trying to collect all of their books the way they write their memoir. It's called Dear Senthurin. And that is like what kind of really put me in touch with like my gender fluidity or non-binary um which is like just the way that they talk about themselves and the way that they have like just view on the world is so not on par with like the Eurocentric standards and things like that that I was just like holy shit this is something I I I needed it I needed it um I think that's super dope um, I think if you're thinking like art wise, somebody to look into is Wangechi uh, Mutu, who is somebody who I've been like watching probably since like, like 2000, like 14, 15. And they make some really, really interesting art that kind of like gets at this idea of um, like, like black feminism intersectionality sexuality gender race obviously intersectionality um but it's like it's it's weird and it's something that you look at and you don't exactly understand at the beginning but like just watching her interviews and looking at more of her art and she makes these really crazy videos too that i just like really cannot get enough of um I just like more. I just want to see more. And I also, oh, let me look up. There is some, what's really cool about being in DC too, is there are a lot of really fucking sick Afrofuturists here uh, who literally just live here. Like it's wild. One of my favorites um, is Maps Glover. Um, I think their real name is like Joshua, but they do like, I, I was, I'm like, Maps! I, the first time I saw them, I was like, can I please take a picture of you? And of course, it's like the worst picture taken of me ever in my life, but I'm like so excited. It's still a um, great picture, I'm sure. <laughs> they do like art shows and stuff all over the DMV and they do like um, performance art because they're like a dancer and their style is really dope. And then they were a part of the Smithsonian just did a video on Afrofuturism, which I think is like a really great introductory video. If like folks just like want to begin to learn about Afrofuturism is watching that Smithsonian. You could also watch Space in the Place, Space is the Place, which is by Sun Ra, which is really dope. And I think is a really great critique on activism in the 60s. Um there is um oh where's my book hold on oh yeah um afrofuturism the world of black sci-fi and fantasy culture by yatasha l womack i gotta see her speak literally like blocks away from my house and i just like randomly like found this little event and i was like having a little weekend by myself and i was like no fucking way and i bought this book in houston that's the craziest part and i didn't realize it was her but I had saw her speak. I started reading this book. Uh, and then I was like looking it up. I was like, no fucking way. This was a woman with the purple lipstick and the big fro talking about like dance. And like, oh, oh my God. I just feel Isn't like so it? fortunate. Um, But yeah, that's <laughs> to go back to your original question. I just, yeah, I want to like dive in deeper. Yeah. Because feel like it already exists out there I think also another thing that I really like about Afrofuturism is it doesn't shy away from being dark um I think unfortunately when you're reading theory comments on society um about black revolutionaries it is like it gets dark you know what I mean motherfuckers get killed 
we have Cointelpro, we got the new version, the FBI, you know, like all of this um, shit, but it isn't shy away from being dark, but not in a way of like, yeah, and then we're going to kill Fred Hampton because he was doing too much, you know? It gets dark in a way of like, we live in a world that is so cynical against Black people, and the way that I've seen it be contextualized in um, different like art and like literature um music i think is like like almost i don't want to say it's beautiful but so tastefully done that it actually represents like how i feel like i feel like i'm a very like sunshiny person like a little yeah. <laughs> yellow positivity um <laughs> that shout out to durga for that one durga's like change your twitter name i'm like say less um <laughs> no that's a great one I mean it talks about like the darkness of the world um and not in the way of like the darkness of like this was done to this specific person and like how they use it as a tactic to scare activists it's like no the world is dark the world is grim but when we imagine when we are creative when we come together um new, new worlds are possible where you know can be beautiful and I think we just have to just just stay positive and hope for the best, really, even when we see the worst unfolding right before our very fucking eyes. Um, but along those lines, like these books definitely like create worlds that offer possibilities of what could go wrong in a, within, a, within a society if we don't correct these issues. Um, and I guess with that are you hopeful to see a day where these wrongs are made right um and we don't have to get to some of these like post-apocalyptic worlds um where we're you know living in communes i mean well of course like i think we do want to live in communes but we don't want to have to like get to the apocalypse for it to get there uh but i guess like are you hopeful for a day where like these wrongs are made right where we don't have to go through like some traumatic experience to get there I'm like, I'm hopeful, but I'm realistic. I'm hopeful in the way that like, I do see little wins. Like, I mean, even if you're talking about like Stop Cop City, um, the contract, like I think like two of the major contractors have pulled out in the past year because of like public shaming yeah. um, to these companies. So I think I'm hopeful to see these little wins. And I'm hopeful to see that like, people are waking the fuck up and realizing that like, this isn't just like a Trump era lifestyle. Like the, the government is not here to serve us and they haven't been here to serve us unless we push them. They're here to serve. They're honestly, I love the like meme where it's like, it's like America and it's like a dude in a trench coat. And then he opens a trench coat and it just says big corporations like disguises the country. I think it's super funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm glad that we're seeing people wake up. Unfortunately, it's a reaction because of the attacks on like a multitude of people and our environment and like our quality of life. Um, but I would say I'm hopeful to see people wake up to educate, to agitate, to organize, to hopefully like the pause that's born 20 years from now is going to like, experience the fruits of those labors and like have a better life because of it you know um I would love to see and would be like yeah I would love to see big changes happen in my lifetime and I'm hopeful that they will happen because I think we are getting to like a boiling point once again at a different level than we were at 2020 um with more seriousness of like the folks who are ready to mobilize um but I'm not sure what that looks like just yet you know and I don't want to yeah yeah don't want to overthink it no <laughs> I get that um because yeah I feel like sometimes when I sit here and think about like how things are going I'm just like okay I got my passport ready um <laughs> like it's just been but yeah it's like I can I still gotta be restricted to the earth and like if the earth's gonna go to shit like how far can I really run um but you know it is what it is but um 
the last question I have for you is what are you reading and it's fine if it's something not based in Afrofuturism I got I got ready for this question because I knew okay so right now I'm reading like a couple of different things per Um, norm one is a poetry book called Ballast that came just came out by Haymarket um the author or poet is um Quentin Baker and what's really interesting about this book is that it is um it's an exchange of letters between the U.S. and Britain. Um, they're like documents. Um, when the it was like a consulate on the way to the Bahamas. Wait, hold on, let me read this. Not consulate. Sorry, the letters exchanged by the U.S. and British consulates in the Bahamas and the de- uh, the dispositions from the white crew of the ship. Um, there's. There is no known record or testimonies from the 135 folks who escaped on this ship. Um, the story has been lost in time and indifference, but this essentially has like these letters that are back and forth and then they're like redacted. Yeah. Um, and creates this like really beautiful poetry, but it's interesting because they're the letters by you know, the U.S. and Britain going back and forth when I think it's literally like the Creole ship is what it was called. Um, Oh, these motherfuckers who got free. And this is like the largest known rebellion that wasn't faced with like death, like brutal punishment going back to like these motherfuckers really just whole ass escaped. Um, So I've been reading this. It's been really beautiful. I think like for folks who are like listening who maybe have like a hard time getting into reading, I super recommend just like picking up like either a short story book or a poetry book. Cause sometimes you just got to get a win. You got to get a W, you got to get a book under your belt and like poetry books can be fast and like it kind of starts your momentum. So I've been reading that. Um, I've been reading the Afro. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, quickly with poetry books. I feel like it's also like, you don't feel the pressure to finish them. You know, like you can just read like a few poems, read a few pages, whatever it might be. And then you're just like, okay, that's my reading for the day. Like a win's a fucking win. Like you don't feel like so much pressure to get through to the next chapter or whatever it might be. And you get a lot out of it too. I think like we read to like, yes, learn more, but it's also like you want to be moved or to like experience something and I think like poetry can do that in short bits of time which is something that I really love um I'm also reading Afrofuturism the world of black sci-fi and fantasy culture that I was talking about earlier um which is really great it's interesting because it's like going through kind of the history of Afrofuturism or pulling in elements that I didn't even really know about like back in the day when I think it was like AOL chats or something was like a place that people would drop their like black sci-fi stories you know and like that was a big hub and how the internet really kind of like brought like the the black nerds together and really encouraged them to create their own stories and be creative so like I wonder, I'm reading this sorry I wonder how much of that was like on tumblr like I was so looking on like- tumblr at other things um mm-hmm. but like I wonder how much of like the Afrofuturism ended up on Tumblr it's a good question because this is like early 2000s mid 2000s that it's talking about okay. so like I think Tumblr's came Tumblr came around like mid to like 2010 so like I'm sure that there's like a a, a good ecosystem of people there yeah Oh my God, I've got to check Reddit and see if maybe like there's some good threads there. I'm sure there are. I've like only yeah. recently started to use Reddit um, just because it's primarily um, because of the like, am I the asshole TikToks? Because um, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't be having the full story or like, I want to <laughs> know, <laughs> I want to know more. So I recently started using Reddit just to be nosy. Um, but yeah, there's so many resource- resources on Reddit. So I'm sure there's some uh, like fanfic or whatever, um, like Afrofuturistic stories on Reddit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 
we just went through like a whole evolution. It was AOL <laughs> chat logs that started this, right? So I think that's what it is. I'd have to look and be like, to be absolutely for sure. But it was like something that it was like we all used to use back in the day and it was used unconventionally. Yeah. Um, no, AOL sounds right. Like, and those chat rooms were wild. <laughs> hmm. No, it was, I don't know if I can find it, but um the last active. two things sorry there are so no they talk about how like folks are so active but they've moved to like a different platform um that was kind of like created specifically for afro futures and i can like follow up and let you know what it says um but the last two things that i'm like reading at the movement is it was aol yes um sorry uh <laughs> i flipped to the page perfect I'm reading uh, You Grow Girl by Christopher Griffin, Plant Queen's Lush Guide to Growing in Your Garden, which is super dope. Um, you should follow them on TikTok. They talk about their green girls, um, just talking about their plants, which I think is another really revolutionary thing for Black folks to do is to get back into stewarding the land for ourselves rather than other people, even if it's just aesthetics. And then... The last thing that I'm reading um, is Frank Ocean's Boys Don't Cry magazine. I'm just like slowly going through that because I really love zines. I like to look at art as well as like read things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm flipping through at the moment. You are very inspirational, I will say. Um, flipping through four different sources of literature, even if you're not like going through them daily just having like four that you're like yeah these are like my four my four sources of literature right now and that's like on top of whatever podcasts you're listening to whatever little youtubes you're watching whatever little conversations we're having in liber readers you're just out here doing the things and going to skill sharing workshops and skill building workshops and climbing friend you are doing the things okay very very proud of you Thank you. I really try to, I think another big goal for me this year is that like, one, I mean, we know capitalism is so evil and I'm very fortunate to have a really dope job, but like, I still want to make sure that I am like feeding my soul outside of that. But I think this year, one thing that I'm really trying to focus on is like creating and like consistently creating. And I think that like, one thing that helps me do that is by seeing what other people have created, you know? Well, friend, you and I are in the same boat. It's March. And I think this year I've <laughs> done maybe three episodes for this podcast. So I'm going to be trying to create a lot more. Okay. And also we're gonna <laughs> one have... a month is great. One a month. Thank you. A win's a win. <laughs> a win's a win. A W's a W. <laughs> oh my god but I'm also excited to see everything that you create because some people may not know but Paz is also an amazing artiste s'il vous plaît uh, merci beaucoup <laughs> oh well yeah I haven't really been in my art bag I started sewing those so I've been like doing that which has been fun oh wow okay I've got some things to bring to you <laughs> No, just kidding. It's a skill that I also need to learn. Can you see my sewing machine? Yes. It's like, you know that you're, yes. Yeah. It's, um, there's some parts missing, but once I get those parts, it's over for you hoes. Over. Um, <laughs> but is there anything that you would like to add or share before we go? Questions, concerns, comments? Mm, yes okay I have one story um <laughs> so one of my favorite things about Sun Ra who is again like a beautiful like prolific musician who is also known as one of the founding fathers of Afrofuturism um has this really great story that it, like just inspires me so much so like essentially um Sun Ra was getting drafted and someone was like the fuck i'm getting drafted you can't even treat black people right in this country and you think that i'm about to go and fight other people who look like me no you got me fucked up so 
Um, Sun Ra was trying to get out of being drafted, ended up going to court uh, for dodging the draft or whatever. And the, uh, you know, Sun Ra's talking, being like, nah, fuck this, fuck that, da 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 da. And the judge was like, I don't know what, who you think you are, but I've never seen a nigga like you. <laughs> and then Sun Ra, and then Sun Ra says, and you never will again and leaves. And I just like love that. And I really like hope to embody that and think about it as like a way against the state of like yeah you never see nobody about me like me you never will again motherfucker yeah that's what i want to leave you with i love that energy that is great energy to leave on thank you pause because you know i love the chaos um so i'm going to embody that for the rest of my life um you ain't never seen a nigga like me and you never will again absolutely not (laughs) Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Posy. Um, I know folks can follow Liberators. It's at Liberators on Instagram and Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. We'll have a website here soon too. That's cooking up at the moment. Website on the way. Okay. That's one of the goals for 2023. We're going to have a website. It's going to be over for you hoes. You can click, click, click. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah that's world wide web <laughs> <laughs> so here's another big take www takes or like is more syllables than world wide web it is like i like i like saying world wide web i think it's funny i feel like it's like it has like a certain like je ne sais quoi and like oh <laughs> sorry i also wanted to tell you this earlier when I had my hot chocolate so I put like a little bit of chocolate in there and then mixed it with my um like little wisp thing it was a little nigga <laughs> sequa <laughs> I love that for you <laughs> but again you ain't never seen a nigga like me okay um, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Pause. Um, is there anything else that you would like to plug before we hop off? No, I think that's it. Just follow us on Instagram and let us know if there's an event you're interested in. We can make it happen. I know that's right. Uh, our next event is going to actually be a Missy Elliott video shoot. Um, we are <laughs> collaborating with Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. Um, this is also me just manifesting. So if it happens, happen. so <laughs> happen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks so much. I shall talk to you later and y'all stay dank as hell. <laughs> Thank you. Adios. <laughs>